Nightly News with Lester Holt. Good evening. Seven weeks into his presidency, Joe Biden has scored his first legislative victory, and it's a big one, both in dollars and scope, directly impacting Americans whose economic security has been upended by the pandemic. The COVID relief bill winning final approval in the House today with its jaw-dropping price tag of nearly $2 trillion. Millions of Americans are about to see government payments of up to $1,400 land in their bank accounts. We'll tell you what else is in it and how to speed those payments along. We'll also tell you why herd immunity to COVID could be achieved sooner than expected. And later, what's the last photo on your camera before lockdown? Why, it may be worth a look. But let's begin in Washington with today's massive economic shot in the arm. Tonight, President Biden applauding his first legislative win, the passage of the country's sixth and largest COVID relief bill. This bill represents a historic, historic victory for the American people. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi celebrating as she gaveled in the final vote. The cornerstone of the bill, those $1,400 direct payments to millions of Americans, plus aid to small businesses, including $28 billion for restaurants. Celebrity chef Tom Colicchio helped fight for those funds. What does that $28 billion mean? It means that, that restaurants uh, will stay open. It really gives us a lifeline to get through to the other side. Help cannot come soon enough for Kevin Liu, who owns a restaurant and bakery in Richmond, Virginia. I think if the government had not come through with this relief, then in six months and a year's time, you know, you're going to run out of money sooner or later. Also in the bill, $7.5 billion for vaccine distribution, $22 billion for rent assistance, $39 billion for child care. Democrats taking a victory lap. What do we say to America? We say to America, help is on the way. But this is the first COVID relief bill to pass without any Republican support. GOP lawmakers say too much of the $1.9 trillion bill does not go directly to COVID relief. And they note the economy is recovering as states reopen. This is the most left-wing bill ever passed by the Congress. But beware, there's no such thing as free money. Now, President Biden will sign that bill into law on Friday and then hit the road to tout it, making his first stop in Pennsylvania next Tuesday. Lester. Kristen Walker at the White House, thanks. And let's break those numbers down now. Senior business correspondent Stephanie Rule is here. Stephanie, the big question for Americans, how much and when? Lester, 90% of American households should be getting some form of direct payment. People who made less than $75,000 will be getting $1,400. That phases out for anyone who made above $80,000. So how do you make sure the government knows you're eligible? Taxes. File them ASAP. And if you sign up for direct deposit with the IRS, you'll get those funds even sooner. The first batch is expected to go out as early as this month. Lester? Some great tips there. All right. Thanks, Stephanie. This all comes as vaccinations accelerate. More than 62 million Americans have now received at least one dose. And today, the White House agreed to buy 100 million more doses of the J&J &J vaccine. With more on that, here's Tom Costello. At the White House today, celebrating unprecedented cooperation between two rival CEOs a week after Merck agreed to help produce the J&J &J vaccine. Now the president is ordering another 100 million doses to ensure the country has enough for later this year. A lot can change, and we need to be prepared. Meanwhile, Pfizer and Moderna are increasing vaccine shipments to more than 20 million doses per week. 
While 60% of Americans, 65 and older, have now been vaccinated, 90% of the country has not. The good news, new cases, hospitalizations, and deaths are trending down. We are at a critical point in this pandemic and on the cusp of having enough vaccine to protect every adult in the United States. Also tonight, the government is relaxing restrictions on visiting nursing home residents. With more residents vaccinated and infection rates dropping, the government is encouraging responsible indoor visitation at all times and for all residents, even if there's a confirmed case of COVID, as long as there's evidence that the outbreak is contained. The big unknown tonight, how quickly could the country achieve herd immunity when 70 to 85 percent of the population is immune? Nearly 30 million Americans are known to have had COVID, but experts believe the real number could be three times higher. While it's not clear how long that immunity lasts, if you add that number to those already fully vaccinated, the total is 122 million with some degree of immunity. If another 120 million get their shots by mid-June, that would be 75% of the population within the herd immunity range. At the rate we're currently giving vaccine, we can get there by the summer. I think what's going to tell all is what happens next winter. It's still not clear how long immunity lasts. The hope is that vaccines provide a year or more of protection. But for those who've been sick, that immunity may last three months, maybe a year. Only time will tell. Lester? It's awfully intriguing. Tom, thank you. This evening, Texas has reopened with businesses at full capacity and a statewide mask mandate no longer in effect. But there are also fears about all that tonight. Morgan Shesky is in Dallas. Tonight, all eyes on Texas, back open at max capacity. I am all for opening up the country, and I love that Texas has taken that step. The state's mask mandate, over. No, it's a free-for-all. Business owner Kim Hunter is worried. Governor Abbott says he trusts every Texan to do the right thing. Yeah, common sense just is not common. They're not going to do the right thing. Texas won more than a dozen states without mask mandates. The move letting any business craft their own policy. Famed dance hall Billy Bob's sharing theirs, telling patrons, it's your choice. The Texas Rangers also taking advantage, becoming the first pro team nationwide to allow all fans back in the stands. Masks still required. In Austin, the state attorney general threatening legal action after the city superseded the governor's order with a public health mandate to mask up. It is the single most effective thing that we can do uh, to, to stop the transmission of this virus. The UK variant of the virus is especially concerning. Recent wastewater testing now shows it spreading through Houston. It's vaccinated as quickly as we can, continue wearing masks. And we will get there. Tonight, too early to tell. Morgan Chesky, NBC News, Dallas. The Senate has confirmed Merrick Garland to be President Biden's attorney general. The vote was 70 to 30, with 20 Republicans voting to confirm the federal appellate judge. Republicans, you may recall, denied Garland the chance to be a Supreme Court justice in 2016. In just 60 seconds, the president's new warning about the southern border amid a surge of migrant children. The Biden administration is facing pressure with the record surge of unaccompanied migrant children at the southern border. Peter Alexander tonight on the White House's new warning. Tonight, the Biden administration delivering this blunt message to migrants crossing the southern border. The border is not open. At the same time, reversing another of former President Trump's border policies, once again allowing migrant children fleeing violence in Central America to apply to rejoin their parents in the U.S.
It comes as the country is facing a migrant surge. Just today, border officials revealing in February they had more than 100,000 encounters with migrants crossing into the U.S. illegally, a 28% jump from the month before. The Border Patrol is already detaining a record 3,200 unaccompanied children in its facilities. Republicans argue President Biden's approach is encouraging migrants to come. Word is out that the Trump policies are being replaced by the Biden administration, that if you get one foot in America, you're never going to leave. The Biden White House tonight acknowledging their policies could be motivating migrants. Surges tend to respond to hope, and there was a significant hope for a more humane policy after four years of you know, pent-up demand. That demand particularly high among unaccompanied children. The Border Patrol encountering nearly 9,500 of them last month alone. Lester? Peter Alexander, thanks. Mandatory evacuations near L.A. tonight after a storm triggered mudslides trapping cars and surrounding homes. And in Hawaii, a state of emergency declared due to unprecedented floods. Much of that state remains under a flash flood watch until Friday. Let's turn out to an NBC News exclusive. California Governor Gavin Newsom on the heat he's taken for his COVID response, the state's struggle to vaccinate minority communities, and the push to recall him. He spoke to our Miguel Almaguer. California's COVID crisis punctuated by the governor who held his state of the state at Dodger Stadium, where 54,000 empty seats represent lives lost in the Golden State. Minority communities paying the highest price and have the lowest vaccination rates. At the end of the day, this country is failing in terms of the equity metric. We're failing. I mean, I don't want that to be a headline. We're failing. It's an acknowledgement that we have a lot of work to do. California is pledging 40% of the state's vaccines be allocated to underserved communities. But the world's fifth largest economy is suffering the nation's second highest unemployment rate. You talked about reopening and the impact on small businesses in states like Florida, in states like Texas, 100% capacity, face masks are now no longer state mandated. Why isn't California doing that? Because uh, we, I believe putting down your guard is reckless. We're not going to do that. California's got 6 million kids who are in public schools. Why has there been such a slow reopening compared to other states? Well, in January, we were running out of body bags in California. I mean, just be mindful of this. It was a number of weeks ago. But Gavin Newsom's response to the pandemic has in part led to a recall effort that could soon be on the ballot. How worried are you about the recall? Do you think you should be held accountable for some of the failures? Well, the reality is that process started well before this pandemic. This is part of being governor of California. It's well, de uh, well defined. And I'm focused on just doing my job every single day. The governor believes the worst of the crisis is behind us. The state, like the nation, with better days ahead. Miguel Almaguer, NBC News. Tonight, more victims are speaking out after a surge of violent attacks and threats against Asian Americans. With more on that, here's Joe Ling Kent. As an Air Force veteran, did you ever think this would happen to you? No, not at all. When Denny Kim was attacked on the streets of Los Angeles last month, he became yet another victim of disturbing anti-Asian violence, devastating both communities and businesses nationwide. They started hurling racial insults. Uh, they started calling me Chinese virus. In New York, two Xi'an Famous Foods employees were violently attacked on the subway, too, forcing CEO Jason Wang to close his doors early for the safety of his workers. It's very difficult for us to having 
to navigate through the pandemic financially, but also at the same time, I have to worry about anti-Asian racism attacks. How does this impact your bottom line? The bottom line is not our priority. It really is about what's going to make our staff feel safe. We're losing money. We're not making anything. Asian-American-owned businesses were some of the earliest to suffer in the pandemic. And unemployment for Asian-Americans shot up by more than 450% from February to June of last year, faster than other racial groups. In Colorado, Shanghai Garden owner Jack Chen says business tanked 25% amid false xenophobic rumors that his restaurant served food from China tainted with COVID-19. We call Chinese virus. Don't talk to him. You're going to get sick. As Asian Americans battle the pandemic on two fronts, there's hope that awareness will put a stop to this hate. We're just seeing, hoping for better days. Jolene Kent, NBC News, Los Angeles. We'll have much more on this issue tonight when our Vicki Wynn moderates a virtual town hall, the racism virus at 8 Eastern on our streaming network, NBC News Now. On Saturday, it will be one year since Breonna Taylor was shot to death during a police raid in Louisville. No one has been charged in her death. Blaine Alexander spoke with her mother about a battle that goes beyond her daughter. For Tamika Palmer, the wait is nearly unbearable. Brianna was just full of life. She didn't deserve it. She was 26 years old. After Brianna Taylor was shot to death in her apartment last spring, as Louisville police officers served a no-knock warrant, thousands joined her fight. That support, Palmer says, is what kept her going. Did it help give you strength? Definitely. It's been plenty of times I don't want to get up, but you roll over and you look at your phone or the TV and, and they're there before you. So how do you not show up? None of the officers involved was charged in Taylor's death. The only indictment were shots that went into a neighbor's wall. Kentucky Attorney General Daniel Cameron has said the officers were justified in shooting because Taylor's boyfriend, Kenneth Walker, fired first. Walker said he thought it was a home invasion and that the officers never announced themselves. But the officers say they did. Now Palmer is taking her pleas to President Biden, demanding police accountability in this open letter published in the Washington Post. You wrote, we fought for you. Now it's your turn to fight for us. What was on your heart when you wrote that? Brianna, as always, it's bigger than Brianna. She definitely deserves justice, but it's so many people that deserve justice. Over the last year, Palmer has reached a $12 million settlement with the city of Louisville, the largest payout in city history. A federal investigation is ongoing. And there's Brianna's law banning no-knock warrants, passed in Louisville and three other states, but not in Kentucky. Still, her fight remains the same. What do you want people to take away about your daughter? That she changed the world. Now her mission is to make sure no one ever forgets it. Blaine Alexander, NBC News, Louisville, Kentucky. Up next for us tonight, should the COVID vaccine be mandated? As more of the country reopens, there is a growing debate over whether gov governments and businesses can mandate the COVID vaccine. Gabe Gutierrez has more. With more and more Americans getting a shot in the arm, states and private businesses are grappling with a new question. Should they or can they force some people to get COVID vaccines? I just think it's just 
Scott Crabtree is the CEO of a long-term care facility in New Orleans, which has already required all employees to get vaccinated. Ten of them resigned instead. There were no hard feelings. It's just some people couldn't do it, but the rest of our employees did. Hard-hit nursing homes are one thing, but what about bars and restaurants? I've worked in hospitality. In New York, waitress Bonnie Jacobson says she was fired after refusing to get vaccinated because she and her husband had recently started trying to have a child. It seems really unfair. I don't think it's necessary at this time. She's now suing the restaurant. Legally, private businesses are allowed to require FDA-approved vaccines, but COVID vaccines are not fully approved. They're authorized for emergency use, so it's uncharted territory. So far, lawmakers in at least 27 states have introduced bills trying to block COVID vaccine mandates. Some have already failed. We're really having governors and mayors make decisions that they shouldn't be making. Would you say you're anti-vaccine or anti-big government? I think this is more driven by anti-big, uh, I, I'd like to say, unlimited power in government. For now, many major companies like Target and Starbucks are offering vaccine incentives for their employees, not mandates. But as the country starts to reopen, others are wondering whether the shots should be a choice or an obligation. Gabe Gutierrez, NBC News, New York. Up next, the power of everyday images just before the lockdown. As we approach one year since COVID was declared a pandemic, NBC News asks you to share the last image on your phone before everything changed as part of our project, The Last Photo. When did the world change? Check your camera. Snapshots in time that now feel a lifetime away. A concert, a walk with a friend, a family get-together, a new haircut. The Last Photo Project is a collection of the final photos taken before COVID-19 lockdown. For Kristen Anaya, it was her wedding. We literally can make it through anything now um, because I don't feel like there's any test that could be bigger than this. Ginny McKinney was with her great-grandchildren. I haven't held them since, and the little ones don't even remember us, she writes. It's heartbreaking. Jennifer Weir took her kids to the grocery store. She says, my children always went to the grocery store with me. Now they hardly remember what it's like inside a store. Shannon Navarro was at a Rockets game. It looks like a pandemic nightmare, but I get a sense of peace and togetherness in this photo, she says. Digital walks down memory lane, reminding us of moments we had together. I discovered the last photo on my camera roll was celebrating my birthday with my grandson on March 8th. For Dr. Fauci, it was his birthday celebration too, turning 79 on Christmas Eve in 2019. That is a traditional Christmas Eve dinner that I've had literally for the last 50 years. He spent his 80th birthday alone with his wife. How confident are you that your family will be able to safely gather again next, next December? I don't think we can guarantee it, but I feel very optimistic about that. I believe that we can recreate in real time that picture of my blowing out the candle on what would be my 81st birthday. A year indelibly capturing the split between then and now. You gotta believe we'll get back to those days. Tomorrow we'll be live from Washington as we mark one year later. That's nightly news for this Wednesday. Thank you for watching, everyone. I'm Lester Holt. Please take care of yourself and each other. Good night.